No matter how it looks for the world, God's people have better promises from God. If we continue to hold on in faith and obey what God tells us to do. Hi, I'm Fami Asabin, a preacher for the Church of Christ. And in today's sermon, God's people have better promises taken from Jeremiah 45. We will look at Baruch and how God's promises sustained him through the turmoil that was going on in Jerusalem. This sermon looks at God's promise of protection to Jeremiah's scribe Baruch during the fall of Jerusalem and how God kept his promise even while allowing his nation to fall due to their lack of faith and obedience. Hopefully, this sermon will help us to look at our eternal promise and not allow the troubles of today to keep us from faithfully obeying and obtaining salvation. No matter what's going on in this world, in life, God's people have better promises. That doesn't mean that we get to get everything that we want, but we do get a guaranteed presence of God and a blessing that God's going to sustain us no matter what's going on in the world. But in the midst of that, we still have to deal with the reality of life. But because of God's presence, we're willing to endure what we have to go through, plus bear the burdens of God's people, because we understand that there will be difficult times because of the prevalence of sin in this world and sometimes those difficulties come upon God's people and it's on us to be ever present in each other's lives because of the blessings that God gives us and the better promises we have as his people. Now we've been going through the book of Jeremiah on Tuesdays. And Jeremiah has been speaking God's word to a rebellious people at a time when the nation is actually going to go into exile. And in Jeremiah's day, he has this friend, this scribe named Baruch, who's been there through a lot of it. And as we have come to the end of the book of Jeremiah, there's this interesting passage in the 45th chapter of Jeremiah which is specifically addressed to Baruch. And in reading this, we understand the value, not of relationship with each other, but the value of relationship with God. Because we know that when we are faithful to God, we're there with each other, but we are given a promise by God that is better promises than the world. And this really stands out when you read it in conjunction with chapter 46. You see, Isaiah 45 is a word of God to Baruch. Isaiah 46 and following is God's condemnation judgments on the nations. 
in Baruch, you get a blessing. In the nations, you get a curse. Let's read Jeremiah 45. The word that the prophet Jeremiah spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he wrote these words in the scroll at the dictation of Jeremiah, in the fourth year of King Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah of Judah, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch, you said, woe is me. The Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am weary with my groaning, and I find no rest. Thus you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, I'm going to break down what I have built and pluck up what I have planted. That is the whole land. And you, do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them. For I am going to bring disaster upon all flesh, says the Lord. But... I will give you your life as a prize of war in every place to which you may go. Now that's a touching passage to get that type of affirmation from God himself to keep you amidst the turmoil, the troubles that are in the world. And it recognizes that while Baruch still sees what's going on and it causes him some level of discomfort, some level of pain, God cares enough to tell him that I will give you your life in the midst of all of this. Jeremiah has given all of these oracles. This book has been written about Jeremiah's struggles, his his prophetic preaching and his relationship with God and here we have this passage to Baruch that God was mindful enough to look out and to give a comforting word to in the midst of all of these troubles in the world and when you read this it's important to keep in mind that this book is not written in sequential order. So when Baruch gets this prophecy that God is going to be with him, although it falls at the 45th chapter, after we are told that Jerusalem has gone into exile and that they have gone at this point in the story of the narrative that Baruch and Jeremiah have been taken into Egypt, and it appears to be at the end of the narrative of this book and the beginning of the oracles, this word was actually given almost 20 years before these events transpired. You see, it was given in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah. Jehoiakim reigned for 11 years, and then his son, Jehoiakim, reigns for three months and Zedekiah his uncle reigns for another 11 years and that's when the Jerusalem is taken into the exile by Babylon and that's where we find chapters 40 through 44 written which precede this oracle that we get to Baruch so if you're just reading it you would think that 
all of this trouble has come and God has given Baruch this word at the end of it. But no, he's given him this promise before all of these problems transpire 18 years before they go into exile proper. Baruch is given this word that I will give you your life as a prize of war. So that causes us to question what was actually going on in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. Well, there was a lot that was going on in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. That is when Nebuchadnezzar took the throne in Babylon, and you can read about it in Jeremiah 25, but also we have this story in Daniel chapter 1. And now the dating is taken a little bit differently. So in Daniel it says in the third year of Jehoiakim, but it's still the same time. It's in the fourth year because Daniel's going by the dating in Babylon and Jeremiah's going by the dating in Jerusalem. So they kind of off like by one year or so the way they count it. But listen to what happens according to Daniel 1 verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King of Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord let King Jehoiakim of Judah fall into his power, as well as some of the vessels of the house of God. These he brought to the land of Shinar and placed the vessels in the treasury of his gods. The king commanded his palace master Ashifaz to bring some of the Israelites of the royal family and of the nobility, young man without physical defect and handsome, versed in every branch of wisdom, endowed with knowledge and insight and competent to serve in the king's palace. So you see when Baruch gets this word that God's going to be with him, what he sees is King Nebuchadnezzar come and take from God's temple and take the best of the land and takes it to Babylon. But Baruch is still left in Jerusalem for 18 more years. And that's not the only thing that was going on in that fourth year of Jehoiakim. Because we also have two other oracles, I think, that kind of give us insight into a little bit of the understanding of Baruch. We have this oracle that is recorded in chapter 46 that we reference, but we also have one that's recorded in Jeremiah 25 that God is going to send his people into exile for 70 years and he's going to bring them back. And then we also have that story that we're very familiar with when King Jehoiakim burnt the scroll that Baruch read to him in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, but it was actually given, recorded by Baruch, dictated by Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. So we have these words given to Baruch, one of, you will be blessed. The nations are going to be cursed. Jerusalem's going to be taken into exile. Seventy years it will be brought back. And then you see the exile starting to begin. And what Baruch has 
is a choice. Am I going to take this word given by God to me and hold it dear and allow it to shape my life? Or am I going to ignore it? I think in seeing part of that prophecy fulfilled with the exile into Babylon starting, Baruch says, I'm going to hold God's word dear. Because he hears what the good is going to happen to him, and he hears the evil that's going to happen to the rest of the world. And so he decides, I'm going to take God's word and the blessing that comes with it. And in taking God's word and the blessing that comes with it, he finds himself being friends with a Jeremiah. A Jeremiah whom he receives this word from, who has a bunch of words and condemnation against the nation that they are living in that puts Jeremiah an enemy to a lot of the people in Jerusalem. So Jeremiah has to suffer. Jeremiah is put in jail. Jeremiah is called a liar. Jeremiah is criticized and ridiculed. And all Jeremiah did was tell the people what God said. And Baruch remained friends with him even though he was not a person that most people would associate with. And I believe that part of that is because Baruch understood the blessing that God had for him, no matter what was going on in the world that he was in. Because we see in chapter 44 of Jeremiah, that is where Baruch and Jeremiah, along with the captives that are left in the land, they are taken to Egypt where they're not supposed to be, but where they go because those people who did not, who denied God's word, decided to go in opposition to where God had told Jeremiah that they should remain. And there's Baruch with Jeremiah, still a friend, with the promise from God that no matter what's going on in the world, I will give you your life as a prize of war, and I'm going to punish all of these nations but you I will keep and I believe that does something special for Baruch it allows him to be the person of God no matter where he's at and allows him to be friends with those whom are faithful with God that's not an easy task it's not a comfortable position to be in to say I'm going to see the trouble in the world, see the turmoil that's going on, understand that God is calling me to faithfulness and remain faithful and demonstrate that faithfulness with God's people even when they are being ostracized, ridiculed for saying what God said. We are not in such a time, but we're close. We're at a time where faith is challenged and where people who demonstrate faith are sometimes ostracized because 
the world doesn't see the value of relationship with God. But we as God's people, we're not given a promise at the end of the troubles, but at the beginning of them. And that's what allows us to be faithful through all of the transitions in the world. No matter what is going on in this life, we know that we have received a promise in Jesus Christ that is not going to keep us from the bad, but his presence will be with us through it all. And that we have a better promise a blessing that the world will miss out on because they're in opposition to God's word. But an understanding of that requires that we do like Baruch does. You see, in God telling Baruch that I'm going to be with you and that I will give you your life as a prize of war in every place to which you may go, he also tells Baruch, do you see great things for yourself? Do not seek them. You see, what Baruch has to do is he has to see his life as God sees it. He can't see the good that he wants to do and so focus on that that he allows that to guide him. He has to take this word of God, this promise of God, and allow that to set the direction of his life because he cannot, by his own strength, ensure his future. All he can do is hold faithful to what God says and hope and trust and live according to God's direction of his life. But that requires him giving up himself. That requires him acknowledging that even the good that he saw for himself was not in God's plan. That requires humility. And that requires trust. But in seeing that Baruch doesn't get to experience the good he wanted for himself, we get a little bit of insight and that's just a slightly reflective of God's position. Because God says, I have planted, but I'm going to break it down, this land. God saw good for his people. He planted them in Jerusalem for them to bring glory and honor to him. And now because of their sins, the good that he envisioned for them will not happen. So it's not just Baruch that gets to miss out on some of the good that he had hoped for. God does as well. And when we understand that, we get to understand in our lives that some of the good that we envision for ourselves that we don't experience is just an indication gives us a little bit of empathy for God because we can understand the good that he had hoped for for his people 
isn't fully experienced not because he doesn't want it but because of sin in this world because things don't always go as they're supposed to not because God can't make it but because people don't listen and fulfill God's destiny in their lives you know if we go back to the beginning of creation when God made man he made us to be in relationship with him and by the time we get to Jeremiah's days by the time we get to this oracle that's given to Baruch God has constantly tried to call all people but specifically those in Jerusalem to him to be faithful but they wouldn't listen in that fourth year of Jehoiakim, God had sent a word to Jehoiakim and said, if you change your ways, then I will do good for you. But he wouldn't listen. He sent warning after warning, prophet after prophet, oracle after oracle to get the people to change their hearts towards God. But they were defiant. So much so that the one who God was really trying to reach Jehoiakim, when he read these words in the scroll, he takes them and burns them in the fire. And what God says is, okay, those words that I said to you, I'm going to repeat them, but I will add more to it. You will surely go into exile, and you and all of the nations will drink of my wrath But those who are faithful to me. I will keep. I'll make sure that while they might have to suffer because the whole world is going through a, 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 a troubling time, I'll protect them. And we understand that while it wasn't fully understood in the days of Jeremiah that there was a heavenly reward, we know now that they're receiving that as well. And so for us, God's people, to understand the evil in this world, to know the hope that we have, the blessings that we will receive, and that even as we want good and we can't always receive a full measure of it because it's not always as God wants in our lives, we do know the blessings that we are in short of are going to be kept no matter what happens to this world we hold fast to Christ we will keep our lives as a prize of war even when all the rest of the world is destroyed and with that we should be mindful of each other because we're not always going to find ourselves in the role of a Jeremiah to where we have to be the mouthpiece for God, to where we have to be the one who takes all the criticism, the ridicule, and the persecution for speaking God's truth. But we can be like a Baruch who is a friend to them, who's not going to this when they are in trouble who's willing 
to be by their side when they are doing right and who's willing to bear some of the burden that they have because we're all God's children and we're all seeking for the same promises but we all have the same anguish and grief when we see the condition of this world and especially the condition of God's people because it's not always how it's supposed to be. But God is in control and we're protected not from every ill of life but from God's wrath. And we have a blessing that we can hold on to that keeps us helps us stay faithful no matter what's going on in this world. The 45th chapter of Jeremiah is very reassuring because it tells us that our relationship with God is not one that God is overlooking. That while God can see the whole world and the evil that's in it, we are still significant enough to where he recognizes us and the faith we demonstrate and he rewards it. And that's reassuring. Because at times, we can feel that the good that we have desired for our lives, that the unaccomplishing it is a condemnation by God when it's not. It's just God saying, I'm going to let you experience some of the disappointment that I experienced because of the good that I've planned for this world isn't fulfilled because of evil in it. But I will accomplish my ultimate purposes. And I will get rid of all of those things that oppose me. And I will keep you when I destroy those nations, those people that are troubling my people, that are disobedient to my commands. So as we live in a troubled time, I'm not going to say that this is a condemnation from God because I, I don't feel comfortable with taking that stance so strongly, but I do know that God is in control. And I do know that this period of, of time is interesting because the whole world has experienced some type of turmoil. But I also know that God is able to keep his people down to a man, to a congregation. <coughs> and protect them and bless them even if that means that we have to experience some of the trouble that's in the world and even if that means that we don't get to experience all the good that we want for ourselves God is still keeping us his people and in these times as in the days of Baruch when he saw the Babylonians coming and taking some to exile and some of the, the temple being taken away to a foreign land, 
that could cause you to question what God is doing, we can remember God's promises. That no matter how bad it gets, God has given us his word. And God is faithful to his word. And he told us that those in Christ are redeemed. And that our redemption is secure. And being that our redemption is secure, it means that we have to refocus our plans, our lives, our desires in accordance to what God has planned, has desired for us. So that takes humility. But we understand when we see our lives as God sees it, we have a better outcome and we have a better promise than the rest of the world. Because the good that we desire for ourselves nine out of ten times was a worldly desire. Baruch, his brother, was a scribe to the king Zedekiah. Baruch probably had aspirations to work in the king's court. But here he is with Jeremiah, the person being imprisoned by the king. And he sees his brother with this high position. And he sees him at, dare I say, a low earthly position, not being able to receive all the benefits of working with the king of the land. But yet God tells him, those plans that you had won't be fulfilled, but I see something better for you. The plans that we see for our lives might not be fulfilled, but God has something better for us. We just have to learn to see it how God sees it for us. Because we'll be all right. And it's better. It's better than what the world has to give us. And when we are going through those times to where we find some type of grief, some type of turmoil, as Baruch will say, woe is me. The Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am weary with my groaning and I find no rest. We can take comfort of the fact that we have a God who has feelings too. And that the feelings that we experience, God has experienced. The disappointment that we experience, Christ experienced. The suffering that Christ had to partake was partly due because of the disappointment that we caused God. When we didn't live up to the standards that God had for us, when we sinned, Christ took that to the cross so that we could be sinless, so that we could receive eternal salvation, so that we could be kept in the troubled times. And so when we see the church, when we see ourselves, when we see the world, and we feel a level of discontent, a level of anguish, a level of pain, weariness, we can say God experienced this to a deeper level 
because God created us and he knows what his expectation was and how far gone we as his creation are from it and that we're not alone when we have those feelings. And it caused us to appreciate the God who hurts with us, the God who wants something better for us and is willing to go through the bad for us to receive it and obtain it, and the God who will give it to us. Promises of God are secure, no matter what's going on in this world. The things that are going on in this world will cause us sometimes to question if God is present. The times that we recognize that God is present is not at the moment we have those questions, but it's when we first started walking with God, before we fully embraced all of his problems and troubles that this world has to offer. That's when we recognize that God is with us. And so we can go through the bad times and we can feel the pain we can have our lives interrupted, our, our plans changed, altered, because we know that God is going to keep us no matter what happens in the world. Because the world does have to answer for its sin. Our sin was answered for in Christ. The world is going to be accountable to drink the cup of God's wrath because of its disposition against him. Let us not have to take a sip of that cup as well. Let's hold fast to the promise that we receive at our baptism so that no matter what we go through until Christ returns, we will be kept. Because Life happens. Ups and downs come. But God is consistent. And so is his word. We're at a troubling time to where the churches have been closed, where people are questioning what does it mean to worship God, where even people in the church have given up on faith. And because of a virus, a virus that God has control over, the world is going crazy. But we as God's people shouldn't let that shake us. We as God's people, even if one of us, dare I say, even if I catch corona and die, it doesn't mean that God is not with us. And we're okay. And God loves us and he's going to keep us no matter what we embrace, what we go through. So my prayer is, as we go ahead in this world, this changing times, this broken economy, this online meeting church era, that we remember the God who called us and rest in his promises. Because the world's going to be the world. And we don't have to be impacted by it as those who are faithless. Oh.
I'm not sure where that leaves you, but I was just hoping to encourage you to, to give you some some type of remembrance, recollection that you are God's. And that God has each and every one of us, but no matter what's going on in the world, God sees you through all of it. And he has a blessing for you, specifically, even when the rest of the world is cursed. And that should keep us, no matter what we have to experience as God's people. And also help us to be mindful of our fellow brothers and sisters, no matter what they go through, to still be a friend to those who need it. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon in the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.